0: Welcome to the Total Water Polo Podcast. It's our first one. I'm really, really excited for this, and we've got an amazing guest on our show today. She's a baller. She's a world-class athlete. She's a generational talent, and really, she's a lovely person to speak to. It's Maddie Musselman, and obviously, I don't want to waste any time. I want to just get straight to it, but I would just like to briefly talk to you about our partners on the podcast, Wear Water Polo. Water are producing really high-quality team kit, trunks, costumes, T-shirts. It's all really, really good quality, low-cost, and it's good for the environment. It's made out of recycled materials. So just go to www.wearwaterpolo.com, and because you're listening to this podcast, when you get to the checkout, just type in PODCAST10, the discount code is PODCAST10, you can get 10% off your next order honestly it looks really good it's really comfy the t-shirts you can wear them in the gym or even if you fancy it on the dance floor on the night out whatever it is head over to uh, wear Water polo type in podcast 10 the promo code get a little bit of money off and yeah thank you very much for joining us let's get on with the show hi maddie welcome to the show how are you I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're really excited to have you. Uh, I can't really hide my excitement. Um, I guess we've got so much to talk about. Um, I guess we'll just start with, we're still in January, so last year isn't too far away. We'll just start with 2021, World League winner, Olympic gold medalist, MVP in both, um, and obviously our total female player of the year. How do you um, reflect on last year?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been a lot uh, just with COVID, everything getting extended a year um, with water polo, but just a lot of time to grow um, both mentally and physically within you know the sport of water polo. And I think you know, going into World League, going into the Olympics, uh, just that preparation that I personally felt and as a team, we felt um, just having that extra time uh, was definitely special um, and something that... I think I look to uh, really take, you know, to heart to know that, you know, having that extra year was was really important for us um, and for me um, as well, just as a player and as a person. And when I reflect back on it, it's just obviously very exciting. um, And I wouldn't have been able to do any of those accomplishments um, without my team, um, without the people that were supporting me. So it's definitely... Um, when I reflect back, I, I think of all those people around me, um, not just myself.
0: No, that's, that's, that's nice. It's nice. um, it's still January. Just, um, did you make a new year's resolution? Yeah. I, made year? a lot
1: of new, I made a lot of new year's resolutions. Um, just little things, uh, you know, for me just staying present. I'm someone that's uh, a lot, you know, always looking forward to the next moment or like what's going to happen. Um, that sometimes is really out of my control. And so, one of my resolutions is just to be present, which sounds really simple, um, but it's actually really challenging for me. Um, yeah. And then just with just with water polo, um, staying connected, I'm, I'm currently playing at UCLA um, in my last year. And so, you know, trying to take advantage of every opportunity that I have with this group um, before I go back to the national team. So um, growing in a, a leadership way and um, connecting with some new teammates, which has been really fun.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll get on to uh UCLA and the NCAA probably later. The way you, you spoke there is is very um is very typical of of you know a world class athlete and I guess lots of people wanna know where that kind where your character came from. So um let's go back to the start when on the June sixteenth, nineteen ninety-eight, you were born, <laughs> in Newport Beach. Very nice part of the world, very sunny. Um yeah. your family are very, very sporty. Um do you think they influenced you a lot? And the exposure to your your dad, for example, was a major league baseball player. Um, your mum played a bit of soccer, if I'm right. And obviously, your older sister was also at UCLA. Um, what kind of influence did did they have on on you as as a as an athlete at su- even such a young age?
1: I've been very very lucky to be surrounded by very competitive and loving people in my family and you know, my parents obviously have been very involved in sport, my dad playing baseball, my mom playing soccer, like you said. And, you know, when we got put into sports, I think one of my, you know, what I remember the most is that there was never any pressure to play a certain sport or to be a certain way in my sport. They were always very open-minded, wanting me to enjoy the experience. And I think for me, that allowed me to grow in so many ways. Um, And obviously there's, kind of that exposure to like very new experiences and kind of navigating that in my own way. And, and I appreciated that from my family, not having kind of that pressure to be first all the time or um, to always be successful. You know, for me, it was always about kind of those learning moments. And um, obviously, we're competitive. I wa- wanted to win at a very young age with everything that I did. Um, you know, just the culture within my family. Everyone's very competitive. Um, and. I think that's kind of sparked everything within water polo. And, you know, for me, when I started water polo was so many sports in one. And so when, with all my friends as well, I was like, I'm playing basketball in the pool, I'm swimming, I'm playing, you know, hockey in some ways with wrestling. And I just had so many connection pieces to so many different people, whether that was in my family or with my friends. And, I just loved that piece. Um, and I, and I took it with me in every part of my life, um, outside of water polo as well, um, you know, into the classroom, I super competitive, still am. And, uh, I know that as I continue forward in my career, I know that that piece of me will, will never go away. Um, and I will also say like, my faith is really huge for me as well. My family, um, have always been, you know, had a, have a, have had a lot of values that you know, kind of drive our family and, Um, you know it's not about self-glory and there's so many things that go into um, the way that we live our lives and that's also just a huge part of me as well.
0: You you just spoke there uh, you know at the beginning about your parents not putting pressure on you in in a specific sport I think there's probably a lesson there for a lot of parents uh, who might be pushy I I won't I won't mention any that I may or may not have interacted (laughs) with but um, yeah totally we everyone can see how competitive you are and um, I, I've just got a bit later on to talk about that, that competitiveness and your concentration and focus, um, and yeah, how hard it must be to stay humble when really you're you're probably one of the best players in the world in in, in your sport. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's a it's it's a really good mindset to have. Um, when did you choose water polo? So you you said there before that no pressures particular sport you maybe played basketball maybe a bit of baseball because of your dad when was it water polo that, that became the driving sport
1: for me it actually happened pretty young um i i did swim team i did um junior lifeguard guards which is in you know newport beach they have you know kind of like lifeguard safety at the beach um and i played a little bit of basketball i surprisingly actually didn't play baseball or softball I oh, really. Um, and yeah, my parents never put me into it, and I never really got into. it. I thought it that's
0: where you would have got your, your throwing or... technique from, but maybe, maybe not.
1: <laughs> I know. Maybe
0: not.
1: No, it came only from water polo, surprisingly. And yeah, I don't know. I just I felt like when I started, I started when I was eight, um, and my Olympic dream started pretty young. In my in my yearbook, I think when I was in sixth grade, I wrote that I wanted to be an Olympian, and I think at that age. It's pretty young yeah. to kind of, kind of start that um, dream and just kind of visualize what that looked like for me. And my parents never played water polo. Like they did not know what water polo was when they, you know, they're from the East coast. And when they came out to the West coast, it, you know, it was a learning moment for all of us when we started and I kind of liked it. I kind of liked that, you know, everyone in my family knew what we were doing and, you know, it's a part of like that, that piece that I told you about where you know, kind of navigating your own sport and not feeling the pressure from, you know, external pressures to be that way. Um, especially, you know, from your parents. And I think for me, when I started at 10 and unders and my sister also played, I played because of my sister and she's four years old than me. So she had a kind of like a kickstart to it and I just wanted to be like her. And so just followed in her footsteps. And I think I only played water polo probably starting in like seventh grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. That was my sport.
0: Yeah, yeah. The sibling thing is, I think, is quite common um, for 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 a lot <laughs> of uh, a lot of people. Do Do you remember what your first water polo memory was? Whether it be playing or not. You said your sister um, played. Was it maybe going to watch her and thinking, yeah, I, I fancy fighting someone in the pit, or or I don't know. Was it you know you were swimming and then as you got out, there, the water polo players are putting the goals in or something, and oh, I'll try that out.
1: Yeah, I. It's hard to remember like back when I first started because when I was in ten winners, I know that I played with the boys and I was like one of the only girls on the team, but I don't really remember like, the actual water polo. I just remember like the feeling of wanting to beat them, and like that competitiveness that I was talking to you about. But I say I would say like my first vivid memory is when, um, I played for Corona del Mar, so CDM club, and my sister got to go with her team to Hawaii. And so my whole family got to go. And so I kind of like maneuvered my way in onto the team. And like, I wasn't technically on the team, but I got to play with them. It's kind of just like a fun tournament. Um, And I remember getting to play, um, you know, obviously in a very beautiful place in Hawaii and playing water polo. And that was probably like my first big nice. memory with just like starting nice. water polo and like remembering
0: the actual. No, it's not. You, you you just mentioned there that when you were playing the under tens, um, you were playing with the boys and you were the only girl. Now, you know my experience of water polo, I've I've seen that so many times. You have a team of you know, te- so often teenage boys. I know you said it slightly earlier, but you know very te- testosteroney, and then you have these girl these girls that really enjoy it and probably technically better than the boys. Um, how how do you do do you think it's beneficial for girls at that age to to play with the boys and learn a lot or would you would you be in favor of maybe segregating them a little bit um at what what age what age do you think is the best for the development
1: I mean I'm all for mixing it up um i I'm actually a huge advocate for putting actually young girls with the young boys because I mean the fundamentals are everything with water polo um and every little movement that you do um can be learned at so many different ages and so putting you know your child with the boys, I don't think is any different than keeping them with all girls um, just like being able to move in the water um moving of your hips, all those little things that come with being a water polo player um, at a young age <clears throat> excuse me, and I think you know for me. It made me really competitive because you know boys are boys and they, you know, never want a girl to beat you and I think that just made me even more competitive. And honestly, they they respected me in a lot of ways and wanted me to be there. And then and I kind of earned their trust and respect a lot more by I you know, kind of proving to them that I could play with them. And a lot of them were and you know, I went to high school with those guys and you know they always joke about you know me coming and being with them on the ten under team and um you know just kind of beating them up which is it's fun because i think it can be looked at in so many different ways and i think also with the game of water polo you know the women wear suits that yeah. you know very grabbable. um and you know even with the national team we've played boys just because to take that element away you know trying to play water polo without grabbing and i've never been a huge fan of the physicality and so i actually think it's really good for you know women to go up against the guys because just requires a lot more effort into the fundamentals of the water polo game and you know so many different skills you can learn besides just you know grabbing someone and being physical
0: yeah um what 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 advice mm-hmm. just just one last bit on this what advice would you give to young players and there'll be some listening some girls that you know maybe the boys are being boys and you know they're not being very welcoming for example and what what advice would you give to to girls that really just love playing but they have to maybe mix mix with boys
1: um i would say confidence comes from within and you have to kind of create that mentality for yourself um you know it doesn't matter who you're up against um you know big small fast slow um if you're confident in yourself that you know you've done everything that you can and you're, you know, going out there and giving a hundred percent. Then you shouldn't have to back down to whoever you're up against. And something that I have, you know, kind of figured out for myself that, you know, I can have all of these external pressures, but technically I'm creating those pressures for myself. You know, it's mm-hmm. not someone else doing that for me. You know, they can say all that, you know, all the things that they want, but you know, it's how I take it and how I, you know, kind of create this big monster out of it. And know, the confidence really is, is coming from yourself. Um, and I also always tell really young athletes, like it's okay to fail. Um, I'm actually a huge fan of failing, which sounds obviously counterintuitive. Um, but you know, failing allows you to grow. And if that means failing at a really young age so that you can be successful later on in your career, then I'm all for it. Um, and I, I've failed many times, um, not only growing through the sport of water polo, but even, you know, to this day, you know, I just had a tournament last weekend and definitely wasn't perfect the whole time. And so I think it's
0: just, well, I think that last game yesterday where you, you roofed six, I I was scrolling through Instagram (laughs) and I popped up UCLA. I was like, Oh, Maddie scored, Maddie scored, Maddie. you know, he's like, yeah, (laughs) I'm really glad that you, you, you spoke about internal pressure and also failure because that's what I'd like to talk about next a little bit. And there's this perception um, that if you're the best, you've never failed. And you've, you, oh, they, this person, they've won this, this, this. They've never failed. They've never had the dark times. They've never had anything like this. Um, what What is your relationship with failure? Because, I mean, look, I've got a list and I, you know, I regret printing it out because it's nearly like two pages long. You know, two-time gold medalist, three-time world champion, three-time World League winner, World Cup winner, two-time Pan American mvp in like 20 different competitions but what lots of people don't see when they type in maddie musselman on google or they 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 look on ucla's roster they don't see the the failures and what 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 is your relationship with failure and and if you've got one that you know you don't mind sharing with, with people what what failure would you say that you've learned the most from
1: i I really like that question because I think it's been a journey for me, like by no means like when I first started playing, I <laughs> like I love to fail because failing does not feel good um obviously, and when you are as competitive as you know the top athletes are, failing is not something that you wanna have or you wanna feel or you want people to see. but at the end of the day, I think I've learned that you have to embrace it and it's kind of something that's a challenge for me that I that I look forward to now because, you know, I came onto the national team at a very young age, I was 15, and if I told myself that I had to be perfect all the time um, to be there, then I wouldn't have made it because I failed the first day I got there, um, and I probably would have walked out the door like, I can't do this anymore if I you know, was trying to be perfect all of the time. And I mean, athletes all over the world strive for perfection, but I'm not sure if they ever actually accomplish it um, to, you know, the hundred percent. They may feel like they have and talk about it, but there's always a struggle in that journey or like an adversity that may not be talked about. And, you know, for me, I guess one of the stories that I always share, um, because I think it's just, a good example of you know kind of turning failure into a positive. And when I first joined, like one of my first trips with the national team, I I had been failing a lot, but I but I knew it was a good opportunity to grow. Um, and my dad always you know was kind of supporting me that you know it's on to the next moment. Doesn't matter what you just did, you know it's time to move forward. And I decided to do this really cool lob shot, which I thought was going to be really cool in my head. And it was at one of the tournaments that we had when I kind of like first joined and the center defender caught the ball. And I was like, so embarrassed. I was, I was like, no, one's going to want me on the team anymore. Uh, you know, it didn't even make it to the cage. Like I'm supposed to be, you know, putting it in the cage. That's part of my role. And I was just like, so distraught. And then we watched it on video and slow motion. And I just, I just like was so embarrassed. I was like, I'm never, I'm never coming back. Yeah. But then I kind of flipped the mind switch and I was like, well, I had this really embarrassing moment. How about I make that one of my best shots in, you know, moving forward. And my first Olympic goal, I scored a lob. And so it's, it's just kind of like full circle for me, like using that story. And it's something that I actually didn't really realize until probably a couple of years after the Olympics that I had such a big failure and then ended up having a really cool moment at the Olympic games. And I share that now a lot more because it's nice for people to hear that you don't have to be perfect all the time or, you know, getting invited to the national team can be really intimidating. You have athletes that have a lot of experience, um, but how can you make it the best experience that you can have by just accepting failure and trying to grow with it? And, you know, obviously that comes from within, but it comes from, you know, creating a culture and having good teammates to support you. And there's so many components that go into overcoming failure, but
0: Yeah, that's that, that a fantastic story about the lobs. And, uh, yeah, I, perhaps I've got a few teammates that lob far too much and it doesn't go in as, as well as yours do. Um, <laughs> you, you spoke about um, the team around you. We will come on to that in just a second. But just just one last thing, really, on, on you. Um, I, I read a piece in the Daily Brewing that talked about Adam Krikorian's first meeting with you. And one thing he pointed out, and I think anyone yeah. that's watched you, whether it's been for like a minute or for lots of games, seasons on end, um, he noticed concentration, focus and determination um, when you were actually not even playing, when you were at the 2013 NCAA tournament at Harvard and you weren't even playing. But, you know, you, you see it when you line up for a game, like your your eyes are straight, you know, you're focused totally... Um, and I guess that lots of athletes struggle, maybe not in games to focus, but when you're not on the pitch or when you're away and training on your own, um, what, what advice would you give to young athletes or or athletes in general uh, to, to keep focus? And I guess the second part of the question is what for you is a non-negotiable behavior for, for, for staying, staying focused.
1: That's a good question. I mean, you know when he made that comment, I obviously mm-hmm. was you don't notice those things like I think it's just a part of who I am that we talked about earlier and like the values that I have as a person. I try to be as present as possible. It's not easy. I've definitely had like mental challenges where it's like definitely not present, but I don't know I when I was at that tournament I was watching my sister play in NC2A's like I feel like I just love the sport enough where it kind of consumes me and I get like super hyper-focused on it, but it takes practice for sure. And I think I learned more about mindfulness once I got into the national team. Um, but you know, being where you are and like being where your feet are, I feel like is always kind of like a quote people use. Um, and I, I wouldn't say I knew that at that age when he made that comment, but I've definitely have learned that moving forward within the sport and being coached by him specifically, and also playing with a bunch of Olympians and national team athletes, the professionalism that my teammates have had. And, you know, for me to kind of watch that and like mature at a very young age, I think I was very lucky to just kind of have those idols around me to emulate them. And, you know, if I got distracted and you look to your right or to your left and they're like super Mm -hmm. hyper-focused, you want to be exactly like that. And so, I just was very lucky to have that kind of surrounding environment um, to be hyper-focused in those moments. And I think for me, breathing, I know this sounds like (laughs) super mindfulness and guru, but like, I, I do struggle with a lot of anxiety and I think breathing is like the best thing to keep you in the present moment when you're playing water polo. And like I said, like, you can't be perfect all the time. You're going to mess up in a game And, you know, how are you going to be in that next moment when you're swimming down the pool and you just like missed a wide open one on nobody, like I did at the Olympics many times. And, you know, who do you want to be for your team in that next moment? And for me, it took a lot of just like a deep breath, turn around and you're on to the next. And I think that's like something that's not a lot of people notice, like what you kind of talked about, like, no, no one really notices all those little things that sometimes some athletes do. And it could go really unnoticed. You know, they look at your accolades or how much you've scored or your stats. Um, but for me, it's like what are those little things that other athletes are doing that I can, that I can kind of adopt so that I can be my best. And I've seen a lot of athletes take breathing into a lot of the things that they do, and it could be super small. Um, it could be like a half second, um, but it goes a long way. Um, and for me, it's gone a, a really long way yeah, in the way it's that, that really, I it's a really
0: that. interesting to hear that you know, something so small as breathing, you know, sometimes people, you know, in, in the heat of the moment, if it's their cup final or a league game, you know, kind of forget how to breathe. Um, but what, you, you you did speak about breathing there, but have you got anything else that you do? Maybe you know, like a pre-match ritual, I guess, like a, a pre-match thing that you do or, or maybe after games, what's your process? Um, not necessarily to just get in the zone, but just something you do before every game that you you've noticed helps you uh, stay calm and stay focused
1: yeah I I've tried to create a routine that's like super consistent I think sometimes the environment makes it hard to do that but something that I know that I can consistently do is like visualize whoever we're playing or like visualize what I want to do in practice or a lot of things that can happen like with your eyes closed or like on a bus or like in the car, hmm. obviously don't close your eyes while you're driving the car, but just like that visual that visualization of, of the game and not like a visualization in a way like where you expect the expectations of how you want things to go or things to look, but just maybe who you're going to be up against or just like, sometimes I visualize like the little movements and water flow, you know, shot blocking or coming up your hips and, Obviously, those are goals. So sometimes it can turn into expectations. And that's kind of where my frustration sometimes lies after a game when I like visualize almost too much of what I want to happen. But I think it's something that I find really helpful to kind of get me in the zone, kind of that focus you were talking about. And it's probably more of a one on one experience for me, like just kind of being with myself. But I do tend to like love, you know, being around my teammates and enjoying their presence. Um, not a huge person, just like put my headphones in and walk away from everyone. I, I like being involved in the team environment and not getting too serious so that I'm like super rigid. Um, I'd rather feel a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's a water polo game and it's the same game you've been playing since you were eight. And I have to tell myself that, you know, you treat every game, obviously like it's a championship game and come out with that full intensity, but it also is just a water polo game.
0: Let's talk about the Olympics, both of them, and the national team. You talked about visualization there. As a fifteen-year-old, could you visualize that on the June sixteenth, which I believe is your birthday, uh, that was the twenty sixteen announcement. You were eighteen. That you would be called up to go to Rio. How crazy! mad was that like what were you you feeling what what was going on inside your head like probably like an outburst of emotion I should imagine
1: yeah it was it was pretty crazy I mean we had I think we had four returners from 2012 so we had a lot of new people experiencing like being told that they were going to be on an Olympic team and so and everyone's journey is so different getting there and so just so many different emotions with each person. And then you combine that into like one room where everyone's together, getting told that they're an Olympian. It's very special. And I was so young that I thought everything was really cool and amazing. (laughs) And I think I'm very thankful that I had that mentality of just enjoying every little thing in 2016 and, um, you know, getting to share that with so many people outside of just my team And I didn't really think that I was going to be able to, you know, have the journey that I had. You know, I went to online high school. I I had a lot of sacrifices that I wouldn't have traded up in a heartbeat. Um, You know, I I did it out of a choice that I wanted to do. And it wasn't, you know, no pressure. And I think it made it a lot more sweeter um, just because of all the things that I did. And, and then I got to look around at my other teammates and, you know, reflect on what they had to do to get there. And it just makes it really special to, you know, embrace the people next to you who got called to the same team, but made that team in a different way um, and got there in a different way. And it makes it, makes it really special.
0: You, there's so much to unpack. Um, you, you just mentioned that the, you you did online high school. Um, I believe it was the two Fish sisters as well, Mackenzie and Aria, were both teenagers. Mackenzie deferred a first year at Stanford, I believe. Um, and you spoke of sacrifice there. Um, not every teenager is going to the Olympics. There are some, but but not well, not all of them, and that's cool. But did you feel like you missed out on anything? And that's quite a weird question because some people might think. Well, of course she wouldn't. She's won a gold medal at eighteen. You know she's playing for the national team. You know what what she missed out on. But the reality is, all the best athletes, all the world class performers, they've made serious, serious sacrifice uh, that a lot of us don't see. Um, and what was what was that like? What was that like? You know, you, you didn't you, you dropped out of uh, where well, you went went to online high school. Sorry, being away from friends um do do you feel like there's aspects that you missed out on or do you view it as well actually this was what I had to do to to make it
1: yeah you know for me I think in the moment I I didn't care like I was like oh I missed a dance for high school (laughs) I mean I didn't like to dance anyway so it was like (laughs) kind of a win-win in some situations but I will say like through that journey, I realized like what was super important to me and who those people were going to be for me um, throughout my journey, and you know who was going to stick around and support me. And you kind of got to, I kind of got to see that um, through my first experience. And you know, it's not easy, you know, being in high school. Um, you know, I'm sure you know, high school is a lot of drama, and there's you know, friends and dances and just so much going on that I felt actually a lot more relieved when I left it and I left that space just because I had one goal, um, and one routine and one schedule that I just had to follow for a year. And I had best people surrounding me to do that. And I think sometimes when I reflect back on it now and, you know, I'm surrounded by teammates and people that, you know, ask about some high school experiences that I just don't have. Sometimes mm. I'm, I just, I have to say, Oh yeah, I don't have that experience. I've never, I've never done that. Um, but it's not something that I'm sad about. Um, obviously it can be coined as like a sacrifice, but like I said before, I, I didn't really look at it like that, um, in the moment. And, you know, just wanted to take advantage of the opportunity to be there. And I loved my sport enough to do that. And some people probably thought I was crazy and, um, I'm sure they probably, you know, along with the Fishers as well, you know, they had a lot of sacrifices as well. And, you know, people probably thought we were all crazy to to drop out of high school in quotation marks and go online and, you know, move, um, you know, drive to Los Al every day and, you know, play water polo and kind of see what, you know, what you're going to do with it. And obviously winning a gold medal in the end of it makes people see that it's obviously worth it, but it wasn't easy. and. Uh, just it's a very very heartfelt journey that I had um the first time and got to experience it with a lot of amazing people.
0: Yeah, you did you did say there that you're not very good at dancing, but I've had TikToks pop up which suggests the opposite. But anyway, we'll we'll move we'll move <laughs> on from that. Um, you you said there about the people surrounding you know that you've surrounded yourself with going you into a team with Melissa Siderman, Courtney Matthews, and Cami Craig, and obviously to go Maggie Steffens, um, that's like, wow, you know, big pressure. Did you ever feel like, oh, I can't let these guys down. You know, I can't, you know, they they want to win gold. You know, they missed out maybe before. Yeah, they won it in 2012. Like, what, how how great was the pressure on your shoulders from that point of view? Because for me, when you're in a team... The fear of failure, fine, you it's understandable. But the fear of letting your teammates down is like is really really you know pressing, and it, it weighs heavily on on shoulders, particularly of an eighteen year old. I should I should think. Um, yeah. What 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 was that like going into a team of you know living living legends, really in a way?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely intimidating and you know, being young and like I said, not wanting to fail and, you know, kind of trying to prove yourself that you like should be on the team or should be in that space. It's, it's a lot of like mental exhaustion because I think, like I said, you like create these internal pressures. Like obviously there's expectations and standards that teammates hold each other accountable to. And they were definitely vocalized, um, you know, the kind of like that professionalism to To be a certain way and to approach everything the same and make it like the game, making practice like the game. And whenever someone slipped up, you know you got to hear about it. And I think I I never wanted to have those comments at me because I wanted to earn that respect and that and that trust. And it takes a lot. And it's but at the same time, you know those those leaders don't want to beat you down. You know they want you on your team and they want to to build that relationship with you. And I i had a moment where I definitely was like, I don't think I can do this. And I think they could probably see that a little bit. And um, I actually became really close friends with Courtney Mathewson. She's one of my best friends. And uh, she definitely took me under her wing a little bit and told me that I deserve to be in this space and with this team and to fully take advantage of it. I wouldn't be there if I wasn't contributing something to the group. And I think her saying that to me definitely sparked a little bit of fire. And I think from that moment on, I, I kind of took what she said and um, just try to be, emulate them and try to be like them. And instead of, you know, being a follower all the time, you know, trying to find ways to lead and, you know, everyone does that in a different way and they supported that and, you know, they were all amazing um, in supporting, you know, finding your role. And what does that role look like? And it's not going to be the same every game. Um, it's it might not be the same every team. And how are you going to adapt to it and step up when you need to step up or make that extra pass when you need to mm-hmm. make that extra pass? And they were perfect examples of, you know, that professionalism and that just kind of nurturing leader that you want to have when you're really young. And sometimes just don't know what you're doing and the game moves super fast and it's probably feels slow for them, or at least it looked <laughs> slow for them. And I'm feel like my head spiraling out of control and you like look to your right and she's like just breathing yeah, like I was yeah. talking about. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, how do I do that? And it just takes practice. And you know, they were, they were amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean one last thing on, on uh, well, two last things on Rio really um i i i guess i'll come back to that actually um i was just going to talk uh, ask you what the culture was like and um did anything surprise you about the way that you know olympians behave was there anything that surprised you but i guess the, the one thing I, I i would like to know is obviously you've had two golds now so you you've you've had the experience twice but i should imagine the first one was particularly special uh Given the circumstances as well with Tokyo, what what was that like? Standing there, the the first moment that medal was put around your neck, you know, the weight over your your neck, feeling the medal, looking at it, thinking that I've actually got one now. Like what what was that like? Can you try and put that into some words for for us mere mortals that that, that will never be able to achieve that?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a special experience and. Like I mentioned before, it's for me, it's like the journey leading up to that moment and reflecting on that and being able to get to that moment and like look around and like see your family, um, look to your left and right and see teammates that have had so many different journeys getting to this moment where you, you know, you're at the top of the podium and, you know, everything that you've been doing leading up to this moment, you know, was striving to be your best every day and, you know, to get, To that moment and then be the best. It's definitely overwhelming. And it's definitely super surreal as well. Like it didn't feel very real until I got home. Like it's it's a very strange feeling. And like I said, I was like so young. I thought everything was cool and I thought everything was amazing. So like getting that gold medal was just like another addition of like a feeling that I hadn't experienced before. And just kind of like soaking it in and um, I'm not like a very super, super emotional person and I definitely felt emotion and was super excited. Um, but I'm like not one to cry. And like, I think I like visualized, visualized that moment, like, Oh, I'm probably gonna be balling crying. Yeah. And like, I wasn't, but it's just like part of who I am. And it like, it made me feel like very human and just like, this is who I am as a person. Everyone's kind of different when it comes to this moment. And, um, I loved everything about it and I wouldn't have changed you know dropping out of high school going online uh sacrificing all of those little things that i talked about or you know experiencing all of those failures um you know to be able to get to that moment and i think it's it's definitely an irreplaceable memory that i'll have and it's very different than my tokyo experience and i'm also very thankful um that it was a little bit different. yeah well
0: we're, we're on to tokyo now i guess um You train three years or so, and then you hear that it's going to be postponed. Um, What kind of practical challenges does that present for someone who's had in their mind for not just, you know, we're not talking three months here. We're talking years, you know, okay, this is Tokyo 2020, you know, the cycle, the program that the USA put on. What what kind of impact does that actually have on, on you? And I, you know, I don't really want to talk too much about the pandemic. I know obviously it, it presented challenges for for everyone. I don't really want to talk, you know, about the challenges of that, but more the actual idea of it being postponed another year. Were you what 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 were you feeling? Were you annoyed? Were you like, oh, you know, I've been training, I want to go now, or were you like, oh actually I wasn't ready? Or, or or what 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 were you feeling?
1: A lot of different things. But I think the most important takeaway that I had was like you can't control everything. It was like something that was like out of everyone's control. And I think once I accepted that, I mean, at the end of the day, like I literally, when I heard about it, when the postponement happened, I didn't like throw a fit or like kind of explode with like frustration. It was more just a little bit of sadness that like everything that we had done leading up to that moment, um, you know, is was going to have to be put on hold for a little bit just to obviously be healthy and stay safe and then come back and hopefully be in the same spot. I think I was a little bit nervous about what that was going to look like. And, you know, was I going to be the same player? Um, What am I going to look like? What is our team going to look like? And, you know, spending every day together Mm -hmm. is not easy. And, you know, the time commitment, you know, burnout is definitely a thing. And, you know, just all the different emotions and experiences that come with everything that happened it could be a little scary um but i had to just you know say that it's out of my control and you know i can only control my actions and what i'm doing to approach every day and i had to do that because everyone's experience was different with covid um and with the postponement and i know that i only could control my mindset and what i wanted to do moving forward and I turned it into a positive and said, you know, what's going to be better than more time to get better and more time to connect with the group and, you know, build off of what we already had. And that's probably my biggest takeaway is that, you know, time is a very precious thing, as we know, it can be taken away in any second. And I think for us in that group, you know, time was very sacred and it was a blessing. Um, at least for me and I took, try to take advantage of every day and it wasn't easy all the time. Definitely Mm -hmm. wasn't great every day, but it was definitely part of my goal. And when I reflect back on it, um, I try to take away that positive feeling that I had when I found out was, oh great, this is just more time to, Mm -hmm. to get better. So that was my, my biggest mental Kind of thoughts that I was Let's having. Let's
0: fast forward a bit um, in in terms of Tokyo. That Hungary game, the Hungary game that maybe we don't talk about, but I, I think it, I think it's really really interesting. Um, I, I think in some respects that that Tokyo women's tournament was really competitive in some ways, in some ways not so much. But Hungary did prove that um, it was possible for anyone to beat anyone. Um, was that defeat a blessing in disguise and you know I think at the time there was a lot of reporting on it like oh you know first defeat in 13 years you know before that game I think you were something ridiculous like 170 wins and five defeats um you know I would love to, I, you know there was a bit of hype like oh you oh, were saying gonna wobble and I, I kind of sat there and I thought oh well it would be nice if you know someone else won it but it just seems so inevitable that you'd come back in the way you did, and you absolutely destroyed uh, the Russian Olympic Committee. I guess what I'm really interested in is what the team talk was like after. What did what did Adam say? What did you know? Maybe some of the leaders in the team say after that defeat. Um, it wasn't you know a disaster, but you know it was a defeat. Um, uh, and what 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 was said?
1: Yeah i I think it's very interesting because. I think the media always gets, you know, kind of a hype on our team and, you know, the expectations or just what it's supposed to look like. And it's easy to get caught up in that. And I think our team did a good job of not falling for what everyone else was saying. And kind of like you said already, it's, you know, anyone can win on any given day. It's a water polo game. It's supposed to be competitive. And when you get to the Olympic Games no matter who you play, they're going to bring your best. And we expected everyone that we played was going to give us our best game. And I was not surprised by any means that Hungary came out the way that they did. And, you know, you could look at, you know, we had a a three game series with them prior to the Olympics and, you know, we, we dominated them. And now you come back, fast forward to the Olympics and, you know, they came out to a completely different team with an energy that, you know, we didn't match. And, you know, obviously I felt like we were kind of clawing our way out of that game, the whole game. And I think it was the best thing for us that we didn't win. Kind of like you, like you said, and, um, what we were going to do with it after that. And, um, it was perfect for us. And, you know, Adam kind of spoke on that. Like it was good that we kind of lost and kind of reset and, um. Obviously, no one wants to lose. It was definitely frustrating and a lot of different emotions that came with that. And I'm sure a lot of fear um, within each individual. I definitely was a little nervous about what the next game was going to look like. But I mean, like I've mentioned, you, you, know, you only can control what you're doing in that moment. And, you know, that meant preparing for the next game. And you can definitely dwell on the past and, you know, kind of be like, oh, I should have done this or this, this and this get caught up in this mental game, but you know, who do you want to be in that next game? And I think for us, we were able to bounce back in a way that was probably the best thing for us. And, and it's just a testament to the wet, the way that this team prepared um, and the way that we trained Um, it just, you know, being able to fall back on your preparation and trust that I think goes a long way. And we were able to kind of come together as a group and move forward in a very competitive, like different energy. Um, just kind of this firepower that I don't think I'd seen from that team in a really long time. And so it was pretty special to experience. And then I kind of got over that, that hump, that loss definitely was, was not great, but I think the best thing for us.
0: Saying you bounce back is like a, is a massive understatement. Um, I, I did look back on a bit of a blog that I um, obviously with Toe Waterpolo I wrote, and after I think it was the Spain game in the final, or maybe it was the Russian game, but like you smashed um, Russia eighteen five or something, and then this, the Spain final, you know, I think it, you know I was thinking, oh, can Spain turn up and maybe make it competitive? But fourteen to five, you know that that's not that's not really competitive. Maybe the the game was closer than the scoreline suggests, but. What What is it about your team that you get, uh, you know, your team, which you're so pivotal in, um, that just you get so right? Because they're two very good teams, Russia and, and Spain. You know, they've got some outstanding players and you made them look really, really average. And I what what is it about the team? Do you think the one thing, or maybe there's several things, but one main thing that you think you get, so right when it comes to games like that because it just seems so inevitable that you know i think lots of people thought oh can spain you know they've they've played quite well can they turn up and then it was just it was just a formality in the end um which is perhaps credit to you guys but but back to the question but what what is it that you guys get so right do you think
1: Uh, it's a it's a hard question but well first of all i will say every I mean, I feel like the scoreline sometimes doesn't represent the way that the game feels or the way the game goes, because every game is so hard for me. I just like the energy that you put in and the effort that you put into the way that, you know, we play water polo. No game is easy. And I think sometimes it's, it can be represented like that in a score, like the final score of the Olympic games. And I think a team, when they play the U.S., it's their best. And it, you know, it was a challenge, you know, the Russia game in the beginning was actually very close and it was a little nerve wracking and uh, to be able to kind of bounce back and kind of every little moment is, is, is a challenge and adversity. And so I will first say like, it was definitely challenging. And I think something that separates us from a lot of teams is just the way that we train. It all comes back to that for me. And, just the, the ability to connect the way that we do, um, in the way that we, when, no, when I go back and watch our team play in video, or when people talk about our team, it's just, we connect like no other. And I think when I, when I try to think about that question, I think a lot of the times I just, it's goes back to the way that we train and taking the seriousness of, you know, this is a game every time we, every time we practice and, no matter who you're you're up against in the in practice like that person's going to bring your best and i think that's what separates a little bit um from other teams um obviously i don't know what their training schedule looks like but i can you know in full confidence probably say like we we put a lot of effort into the way that we train and not that it's consistent all the time we definitely have days where it's not great and you know we get to hear about it from our coaches um, but i think just that competitiveness those values that everyone has they're different um very authentic but it's always competitive um and i leave practice every day completely exhausted and so when i get to the games it's if it not feels easier but it feels a little bit like training really prepared me for that moment and so when we got to the olympics and you know you have all those moments where maybe you're down by a couple goals or you're up against someone that might be stronger Um, you kind of have to maneuver your way out of it. And for me, I always be like, Oh, what did I do in practice when I was up against Maggie Steffens or when I was up against Melissa Seideman. And, you know, just this burst of confidence comes from, from within because of those moments. And I think, you know, at the Olympics it showed, um, and I think everyone felt that on our team, like we've done everything that we've, you know, we, we can to, to be successful and, you know, Obviously, we can lose on every given, any given day like we did with Hungary. Um, but you know, who do you want to be in that next moment? And you don't want to have any regrets at the end of the day. So you're going to put 100% into everything that you do. So I think our group did a pretty good job kind of rebounding.
0: Um, you're obviously the tournament MVP. You got a hat-trick in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, a really, really great tournament for you personally. Um, just, just in short, just to wrap up the Olympic stuff, how do the two Olympic experiences that you've had compare, if you can, in some kind of way? Obviously, they're very different. Um, and obviously, you will be hopefully going to, you know, one or at least two more. Um, and I, I, I guess what I'm asking is how do they compare and what are your hopes for any future Olympic Games if um, if you're able to look that far ahead? Because I know you're, you're focused on staying staying in the moment.
1: Yeah, I, my experiences were very different. Um, I think when people ask me what my favorite Olympics were, I actually say Tokyo, um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, so in Rio, obviously family, friends, everyone's there. I'm very young, definitely like overcame a huge challenge, you know, had a lot of sacrifices. It was definitely, you know, I enjoyed every moment, every little thing that I got to experience was just amazing in every way um, which is a blessing. You know, you don't, I didn't feel a lot of pressure challenges in terms of like, I was just excited to be there and I was going to go for it. And, and I think in Tokyo, I, I experienced a little bit more of a leadership role, um, a little bit more pressure and these like expectations that I definitely created for myself. And I I had surgery in 2018 on my shoulder. um, a lot more adversity and rehab, um, just a lot more, anxiety, um, and just things that I didn't really experience in my first, um, Olympic games in terms of the process and and the journey. And so, and I actually, I don't think I had the best beginning part of the Tokyo Olympics. Um, Yeah. I wasn't going to say
0: anything. uh...
1: (laughs) I really struggled actually in the beginning, um, and was pretty frustrated with myself and I tried not to dwell on it. It was I think something that I, I'm a little disappointed in myself, um, for getting caught up in, um, but just like the pressure that I put on myself and just felt a lot of um, anxiety the whole tournament, um, and felt a little bit more, more removed than I usually am. And I think once we kind of finished bracket play, I like was able to really fully reset, um, and had this really actually cool moment with myself that, you know, it's not supposed to go perfectly like we talk about. Um, you know, sports is all about kind of overcoming challenges and like who do you want to be and who do you want to represent yourself as. And those next three games, I, I just felt like a completely different player and different teammate for my team. And um, whether they noticed that or not, I never really vocalized mm-hmm. that to them. But I just felt completely in a different space that I needed to be in, and I was able to fulfill my role in a better way than I did in the beginning of the tournament. And so when we ended up winning, I actually felt a little bit more thankful for that experience, Um, given that I felt a lot of challenges and a lot of adversity. And so my two experiences with, you know, Rio and Tokyo were very different, but very thankful that they were different because it just gives another story to share um, and another journey. Um, to bring people along with, and to kind of share those failures and the successes with others that may not look at it as like, oh, but you are MVP. What are you talking about? I, I didn't see any challenges, or I didn't see it being hard for you. And then I share that, and you know, they kind of realize that it's not all, um, you know, rainbows and and perfect all the time. So,
0: yeah, we'll we'll, we'll just talk uh, before we go to some questions. We'll just talk on the rest of the season, I guess, um, NCAA, um, you've made it very clear that you want to win that, that championship. (laughs) Um, you've just come back from a very cold looking Michigan. It looks cold even by UK standards. Um, i something I find quite interesting in American water polo is the collegiate water polo association released this list of rankings, right? Um, you know, I don't know. I think USC at top, and then Stanford a second. But does that does that play into your mind as a player? You know, you're, you for your national team, you're ranked first nearly always um, when you go into tournaments, and so you, you're considered the best. Does it does it drive you on when you're considered third best or fourth best when you you see rankings like that come out?
1: I am definitely competitive, and it's not nice to see like your team lower than other teams, but I think something that I love about the UCLA culture is that it doesn't matter who you're playing or what you're ranked. Um, you know, bringing your best every day is a choice that you make and it it takes the team um, to kind of put you, you know, before others and whether, you know, your ranking is lower or higher or whatever it may be. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you just want to play your best and you want to be your best. And something that we talk about at UCLA is, you know, you're playing yourself, um, you're playing your team. Um, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, your approach should be the same, no matter who you're playing, you know, no one game is more important than another game. And, you know, we started that two weeks ago when season started and we've been treating every game the same. Um, and we've had a couple slip-ups, um, you know, some games have been a little bit more challenging and, you know, that came with our approach to the game and, I think if we're able to kind of have that consistent effort of, Hey, this is a championship game. I think for a group that, you know, may not have the experience that I have, um, you know, but want to be the best, I think can go a long way. And, you know, my role on this team is to share that experience, um, to be a good example of what that looks like. And uh, hopefully that they can kind of hop on board with um, you know, being gritty, um, and taking the responsibility uh, as a teammate to prepare yourself and to be the best, you know, UCLA team that we can be and kind of showcase that to every team that we play. I'm I'm very excited um for a season mm-hmm. to keep going and for this group to to play, you know, top teams, you no know, lower ranked teams. It doesn't matter to us, um, because it's gonna be the same no matter yeah, what.
0: It's definitely evident to me that even when you no no disrespect to the national team of course not but you there is a certain glimmer in your eye when you talk about UCLA and I think it does show when when you watch that I think it's it is special for you to play for for UCLA and, and you know some people might think oh well the national team is the end goal but being able to stay focused with your with your uni is um is is really good um can you win it this year
1: yeah i mean I'm gonna take it one day at a time with this team. And I think why not us? That's kind of our our theme and our motto is people are gonna say things, um, teams are gonna beat teams and it's who you wanna be now that's gonna help you be where you wanna be later. And I've never doubted UCLA. I've seen pretty amazing things happen with this group um in the past. I've been away for some time, obviously it's been a couple of years, but you know, coming back, the culture is strong. Um, there's a a huge commitment from a lot of girls, every single person on this team that's has a role. Um, and just to make sure that they know that they're important and that they have a, the ability to make this thing go the way we want it to go, I think is the biggest thing and win or lose. Um, I just don't want to regret anything. And so, I'm putting everything that I can into it and I hope that they can see that and I hope I can bring that out of them so that in the end, it's not just that we're close to winning, but that we won um, in so many more ways than, than just like the national championship. And that's what I'm most excited for. I want to win obviously. um, But I think I'd be winning in a lot more ways if we just played our best, and we
0: did everything we could. It's a good we answer. We would we'll, 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 we'll definitely take that as a yes. Um, that that that's all. That's all for now. We'll be back shortly with um, some questions and some more. Okay, welcome back. This is the part where we ask you lots of questions that people have sent in. Um, there's one big one from clearly people outside of America, and I've had this about five, six times people messaging me to ask you this. When are you going to Europe? When are you going to Europe? Uh, there's some similar questions. Um, have you had any offers from clubs? Um, you've you know you've got a few colleagues, Jordan, Steph you know, Maggie, obviously, Ashley, all in Europe. What are they saying to you? What are they saying? <laughs>
1: That's a good question. Um, I don't know what I'm going to Europe. Uh, I'm i not sure people know, but I'm very into medicine, and I'm a huge science person, and I'm majoring in that at UCLA. And I'm probably going to go to school for that, and um, go into research. Um, next year so I'm not sure obviously anything can change at any point I've been asked to play um, for other clubs um, but haven't really looked into it much now Um, obviously being with UCLA I've told you many times I try to stay present not get too ahead of myself but I'm not sure what my plan is I'd be totally up for going to Europe at some point in my career and it's not a no but it's not a yes
0: (laughs) Can I be really cheeky and ask if the who the offers have been from?
1: Um, I'm not sure specific club names, um, but like Italy, Spain, uh, you know, p- p- places that my teams, yeah, places that my teammates have played for, um, definitely been asked,
0: yeah. Um, I guess, I guess on that, this is this is my own question. No one's asked this, but do you think it's a bit um, maybe disrespectful is not the right word, but do you think it's a bit presumptuous that people should expect you to go to Europe? Because at the end of the day, the the uni system in America is clearly working really well, producing really really good players. And yeah, there's some, you know, some of the best players in the world from America are going to Europe. But do you think do you think actually, well, what what is the attraction? In terms of development, I can do just as well staying in America.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I've I've seen it be you know work for so many different people doing different things, and so I wouldn't say like one way is the best way. And I think that's something that's really cool about our sport is you can kind of navigate your own journey um, and what you want it to look like. And I think it's very popular to you know for us who are from the U.S. to go to college um, and to play for your college and you know to kind of have that pride in your school and then when you graduate a lot of athletes play abroad or go play in a different country um it's not expected i would say i think it's more just based off of how you want to develop as a player and how prepared you want to be for when you come back to your national team and so i've had teammates that have obviously gone to play in spain or italy or greece and have loved it um And then I've had teammates who've never gone abroad, who've played with, you know, have graduated from college already and then have gone back and coached and played with them, kind of got in and trained and have had a completely different experience. And so I'm kind of being optimistic to both sides of it because I don't know what my journey is going to look like yet. And I don't want to pressure myself to do one thing or the other. So I wouldn't say it's bad to not go abroad or it's you know, amazing to go abroad. I think it just depends on who you are as a person. And if you would, you know, fit in where you're going, Um, if you would, you know, want that experience to play abroad, then I don't see any harm in it. Obviously there's so many talented players that you get to play with. And there's not many opportunities that you get to play with other national team athletes. You know, usually for me so far, I've only played against them. I've only, I've played with one teammate Bronte Halligan on Australia. She came to UCLA for my first three years and it was awesome. And so I know what it's like to play with someone that you play against all the time. And I've bet, you know, I know all my teammates are having fun playing with so many other national team athletes and, you know, the sportsmanship that comes with that and the connection, you know, it's not just about playing against each other. Um, you know, it's kind of, how can you play with each other? So yeah. Just kind of depends.
0: Yeah. Okay. So if there's any coaches listening, they, they, you're gonna have to make a good offer to uh convince Manny to go. Um <laughs> moving on then, we've we've got we've got lots of questions like this as well, uh, or something similar. Um and the the question is, who is the best player in the world in your opinion? We we've 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 had similar variations, who would be your dream seven? I guess those those two are we we'll, we'll go with those two. Firstly, who's the best player in the world in your opinion right now? And I've got a note here saying many would say uh, you, so excluding yourself.
1: Yeah, I definitely would not say myself. Um, I think it's easy to kind of like jump to my team, but I think I would want to branch out a little bit because I think everyone on my team is amazing. And I don't want to be like just supporting them. Have all I put the time. you on the spot? Have I
0: really put you on the I,
1: spot? No, I mean, I just, there's so many players that I would want to play with um yeah. or like kind of pick their brain on water polo with. And someone that I I think has stepped up a lot and it kind of comes to mind. I think the Spanish team is very um talented mm-hmm. and has a lot of girls who've just showed a lot of commitment to the sport. And uh Beo Ortiz, mm-hmm. uh, I think number four. Um she's just kind of the way that she plays the game. Yeah. Um she's developed in so many different ways and I've just admired her um ability to kind of step up for her team, um, from 2016 to 2020, uh, she was a huge leader in 2020. And it was kind of cool to see someone that's, um, you know, not the biggest face of, of water polo, um, do really, really well. And I guard her a lot. Um, and she's someone that I, that's very challenging to guard. Um, and just, she's also just a super respectful, t- um, player and someone that I have a lot of respect for um, and good sportsmanship and uh, just a good person. I don't know her very well, um, but just from playing against her and seeing her interact with her team, uh, definitely a fan of her.
0: Yeah, she's a top player, having a really good season for Terrassa. Um, your dream seven to put you on the spot. So uh, we will we'll ask everyone this, I think. I, I think, to be fair to you, but your dream seven. So... Past or present, favorite players, keeper, centre-back, centre-forward. Past or
1: present? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, gosh.
0: to put you on the spot. Okay. And they will be listening, so if, you know, <laughs> they'll hold you to account, I'm sure. Is
1: it, I'm not a part of the seven, right? You can be
0: if you want. You fight, yeah, 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 why, why oh. don't you make yourself if you're I'm the captain? You're the captain. <laughs> oh, gosh.
1: Uh, I'd probably put Micah at centre. Yeah. From Spain. I'd put
0: it can be past um, or present. I know. Yeah. That's
1: the hard part. I probably put Melissa in yeah. as my defender. Solid at the back. Number three. Yeah. I put I put Ecat from Russia. Yeah. Surprisingly, I'd put her on the four or five side though, because I think she's a yeah, really okay. good passer. Put Courtney Matheson on the one two side because she's a sniper.
0: Looking out for your friends. Looking out for my friends. Yeah. Make sure you don't fall out over this. Yeah,
1: and then um, surprisingly, think that the new lefty from the from the Netherlands, she had an insane
0: Simone, yeah. I put her. I
1: put her over on the yeah. four or
0: five side with Ecat. Yeah, scary how she can put them away.
1: That's um, hard because there's so many good players.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's not, not, not as many Americans as I think you'd put in, but I think you maybe you're you're trying not to be biased. So I'm trying re- not to be. I can I can I can respect that. That's fine. Um. This is quite an interesting one. Um, what is the one thing you hate about water polo? It's quite weird that we you know, we wouldn't expect a question like that, but what what do you hate about it, if anything? Hate's quite a strong word, but is there anything it you really dislike? You know, like a drill or swimming? You know, yeah. everyone hates swimming.
1: I mean swimming's never fun, yeah. but I I don't mind I don't mind that. I enjoy the physicality sometimes. I think The game can be played very cleanly, and so I get really frustrated sometimes. There's just a lot of grabbing or, like, simulating. I'm not a fan of acting. I think just play the game, and you can maybe act if you get hit. Who's the worst
0: at acting (laughs) you've played against? Or is it you don't want to say?
1: I don't know. There's a lot
0: of people that act.
1: But, I mean, sometimes it's a part of the way that they play. But it makes them good,
0: so. 100%.
1: I just, just, sometimes the, the acting, it frustrates me
0: um that's just a simple thing yeah 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 um we've got one here and uh, it is it says who is maddie Musselman?" and then it has in brackets not being rude who is she as in (laughs) i I think what they're saying is not who who are you because i think everyone knows who you are but what what sort of things do you do outside of water polo what sort of things are important to you yeah i
1: think something that is talked about a lot more in the sports world is that we're all more than just athletes. And that's why I actually, I enjoyed this question because I think we all have different aspirations and different goals that are outside of our sport. And like I mentioned a little bit already is super into medicine and science. And I know that I want to go into the medical field one day. I want to be a doctor. So that's kind of something uh unique about me. Uh, I also love to bake and cook super huge foodie. I love food.
0: What do you bake? What's your um, go-to? I'm
1: like I'm a I'm a cookie, chocolate chip cookies, oh, brownies. Yeah.
0: Would it Would it win you a Great British Bake Off uh...
1: No, probably not. I'm not good with like the presentation. I'm just good with the taste.
0: That's all that matters, really. So I'm not sure. Yeah. That's all that yeah, matters. Sure. Um. Okay. Um. Let's go for this one. If If you weren't a water pilot player, and they put slash coach, um, because I assume you you've probably maybe coached them what what would you be and i guess you've covered that with with medicine but is that, is that is that clear cut is it is that easy would you if you hadn't have taken up water polo would you you know it's quite a difficult question really you never know but
1: um no i think i've always seen myself in sport so i know if i didn't play water polo i'd yeah. be playing a sport maybe i guess if i didn't play water polo i think i would either see myself in like volleyball or tennis i really love tennis um just like really fun sport to watch but if i wasn't doing sports at all i don't know what i would do besides like my medicine interest started when i was young but i feel like you could go in so many different directions with life that i've been i'm fascinated by it so much like i love architecture too like interior design or medicine was would probably be the biggest one though
0: yeah you you spoke about um architecture and interior design uh we got a question here that says the best pool you've ever played in I assume it's what is the best pool you've ever played in and you've probably played in some really really cracking pools but is there one that stands out for you maybe not just because you you've beaten a team there but just you've walked in and thought wow look at this pool it's beautiful
1: I my freshman year at UCLA we went to Barcelona and we played at this pool. I wish I knew the name of it, but it had a view of like the yeah, entire it's, it's city. it's the one
0: open air one um, now in front of, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's, it's a lovely pool. Yes. It's a lovely pool.
1: And we play, We practiced at sunset and it was just like insane. Um, and it made me very thankful yeah. for
0: our sport. So any any of those teams in Barcelona, definitely getting a getting a nod to sign her up. If you've got those <laughs> uh, sunsets. Um. The best coach you've ever played under. And I, I actually think this question is quite unfair because there's so many different coaches you have in your development. And, you know, everyone would be thinking, oh, well, it's Adam. You know, he's, you know, he's guided you. But, you know, yeah. is there, Adam's a fantastic coach, no denying it. But is there someone else out there, a coach who you you can maybe give credit to or, or coaches that have really, you know, who you think are, you know, top drawn and have really helped you?
1: Well, that's so hard because I don't want to disrespect any of them by not picking them. Uh, I mean, I was coached by Ross Sinclair um, in high school, my junior or my sophomore, my junior year. He's um also involved in the ODP pipeline for national team. But when I first started playing for him, I think just when someone believes in you or like tells you how much potential you have as a player I think it's really confidence building um and encouraging to hear someone like super motivating at a young age um and obviously there's discipline and there's you know you know a coach who's going to tell you what you need to work on or um how you can do things better but he was someone who kind of balanced that very well and had very high expectations for a young group of girls um, and also just was super passionate about the game. Like he loves water polo. Um, and I thought uh, you know, for me at at a young age, I would I was very impressed by it and I, you know, was inspired by that, that passion and you know, kind of kickstarted me right into the national team when I first started. So I'm very thankful for him. Also, I'm just gonna talk about all my coaches that I like. Um, <laughs> um, Adam Krikorian obviously uh has been a part of my entire development as an athlete from when I was 15 till now, um, definitely, uh, has offered me so many different pieces of advice and, you know, has challenged me in a lot of ways and has been there for me in a lot of moments. Uh, so just super thankful for him as a coach, but also as a friend. Um, and then Adam Wright, who's my UCLA coach has been just super amazing in terms of changing the culture of UCLA, um, and making it the best that we can be. Um, he's a three-time Olympian. Um, he has had a lot of experience with the national team and his standard is so high for us um, as young athletes. And I, I think it's really good. Um, it it definitely is setting us up for success, not only within our sport, but you know, for what we're going to do after sport. And, you know, when he speaks, everyone listens and it's very captivating and to have someone that's very insightful has had a lot of experience with um, the national team to come back and like coach a college team. He coaches the men and the women and to have as much passion as he has. It's just, you know, we're all very, very lucky. Those are probably my top
0: cool. three. And anyone that's not mentioned, uh, Maddie doesn't rate you.
1: No, I, I love them all.
0: Good, 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 good. Um, this was quite an interesting one. Um, what is a rule change you'd like to see made in water polo?
1: A rule change.
0: Yeah. Um, just put you on the spot. Yeah but is is there, is there ever been anything that you thought oh, that would make the sport better or you know make it more appealing or
1: I I used to not be a fan of the six meter foul like getting live now but I do think it makes the game more interesting because there's just a lot more involvement um and just like action but I <laughs> I love the game I don't know if I would change anything maybe. The new hockey sub rule. I don't know. I just feel like it's a kind of a way out. Um, yeah. Just because if you're tired, yeah, you train to kind of go up and down the pool all the time. Why not just keep going? But I know some people enjoy the hockey sub, but I don't think we ever really used it much. So I don't see a use for it.
0: Um. Okay. That that's fine. Um. We've got one here. Um. What is Maddie Mussman's karaoke song? do you have one or several
1: i don't know if everyone's seen this play but one of my favorite plays is wicked and there's a song called defying gravity and it's just like this high-pitched song that everyone loves um yeah. defying gravity I,
0: if, from wicked
1: yeah or uh, i want to dance with some yeah <laughs> it's
0: quite fitting really for you know someone like yourself right. yeah and you can sing it can you
1: no, not seeing
0: no, you. No, 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 not not now. Obviously, not now. Not now. <laughs> but yes, I can. Sing. Good, good. Okay, well, well, we'll we'll ask we'll ask someone to record you when you're doing it next.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> I, I guess the last one we've got, and I think this will be really um interesting and insightful for all of our listeners. Um, what is one non-negotiable behaviour to be a world-class athlete?
1: Oh, I feel like there's so many important things.
0: But Do you want to three? Should we, should, we, should we increase the list of three? Does that help or not really?
1: Um, sure. I mean, one is I feel like they're all rooted in, like, values. Um, but just being super open-minded as an athlete and, like, knowing how good you can be. Like, it doesn't matter what you've done, um, but it's what you're going to do. And I feel like I guess the behavior that shows that is just, like, this humility um and knowing that you can you know win lose um and how you show up that next moment is really important and how you like have that attitude or behavior um in your next moment i think it shows a lot about who you are as a character um and as a teammate and as a player i think that leadership in the way that you lead um by example i think actions speak a lot louder than words and I'm always been a huge fan of the athletes that are able just to like grind it out um, and and kind of lead in that way. You know, they could you know say that they're going to do all of these things, but are they able to put it into action? Um, so people that kind of can speak speak well, um, but, but then also act well. Um, and then I also will say. Um, I guess my third one, this is hard. I think my third one would be, I don't know, motivating to your teammates. I think it's the best, yeah, just just like a behavior of like not having self-glory. I feel like you can see it in a lot of athletes that are like making the effort to bring everyone along with them within a team. And that could be like kind of what I talked about with leadership, but how you connect with your teammates um what does that look like um it could be different for everyone but um the way that you bring people along and i think that's a really huge piece for someone who's an elite athlete is you know you're playing on a team you know water polo is a team sport and you're going to have a lot of new athletes come onto your team and like how do you want to invite them into that space and like i said i was very lucky to have athletes invite me in and be accepting of where i was at and like help me grow and it's easy to kind of think about yourself when you're trying to make an Olympic team and what you can do all the time to be successful, but what are you willing to put into the people next to you so that your team is successful? I think that makes kind of separates people from each other. Sometimes
0: it's, it's all fantastic advice. It was hard. So um, make sure you take it in. Um, you've been amazing. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Um, it means a lot and uh, yeah, take care.
1: Thank you so much for having me.